It's time for your weekly trip inside the ropes and behind the scenes of the Australian golf industry. Welcome to another episode of the Australian Golf Show with Tiffany Cherry and Mark Allen. Hello and welcome to the show, Tiffany Cherry alongside Mark Allen and we're joining on the back of a wonderful week in golf, both at home and abroad. Marco, we start on the Victorian uh, Mornington Peninsula, where I went down to Moona Lynx for the Victorian PJ Championship. What a wonderful four days of golf that was. I managed to get two days in of golf and then watched it and uh, commentated, which was so much fun. Yeah, uh, I, I saw a little bit of commentary. Uh, well done, Tiff. It was good to get that gig, to tell you the truth. But, yeah, fantastic, fantastic just to see Australian golf up and going again. We've got the Sandbell Classic as well, and then Christmas comes, and then you know the big ones start, the Australian PGA, and and hopefully many, many more without break. So, you know, for Blake Rinder to win that one at Moon Links, that was great, 69 on the last day, yeah. really, really handy. Uh, Brad Kennedy always seems to play well in these sorts of events in Australia as well. He finished second one shot back, and... You know, it's amazing to see Brad just come back and he's got a full schedule over there in Japan, but comes back and performs here in Australia as well. So brilliant. Um, I also had a quick look at uh, the QBE shootout because yep. I knew Mark Leishman and Jason Day were yes. doing so well. Uh, they, I think they shot 65 or 64 and whatever it was on the weekend, but not even close to good enough. They were beaten um, handsomely by uh, up here, uh, Kevin Nair and Jason Kokracker. I think they shot 60 in the last yeah, round. Yeah, tight finished tied for third, so that was yeah, handy. Not, hand yeah. 150, uh, you know, thousand US dollars just before Christmas. Not too bad. Uh, but I'll tell you what I did like about the tournament. I love seeing Bubba Watson play with Lexi Thompson. Mm. I think the tournament tournament needs more. You know, this time of year, I love seeing the, the team's events. And I know that you played in the team's event with the amateurs Brilliant. at the Victorian PGA. Yep. It's good fun. Even the yep. pros don't mind it. You know, I, I promise you that. You have the first two days and then let the pros be pros on the weekend. Yep. It's a great way to do a smaller golf tournament in this country. Um, and, you know, it's obviously very successful as well because everyone has a great time and, you know, the celebrity in the event, uh, it tends to get, uh, you know, the cameras down there and, and yeah, the shots and, and the pictures go out, which is great. But just with this QBA, QBE shootout, just to see more women playing with the men, yeah. I think would be fantastic for golf, not just the tournament, fantastic for golf because Lexi Thompson, uh, she's one of the big hitters, but that doesn't really matter because you yeah, you've got different tees and just to see um, the, the fellas playing with the girls, I just think it's a precedent that's, you know, should be set this time of year and and particularly, you know, just just if if, if dad is sitting down on the couch and mum comes across and sees him watching everybody play, the girls and the boys and everybody yeah. else and even, you know, the sons and the daughters, what's going on? Okay, everyone's playing golf. I, I think it would be great for the game, don't you? Yeah, well, the TPS events, I think they're, um, they've certainly brought that to the fore and, and brought the juniors in as well, which I think is superb. Exactly what you're saying. I mean, golf is a sport for everyone. It's a game for everyone. And to be able to create it so, because you can do that with handicaps and different yeah. tees and all that kind of, as you just said, to be able to play it with your family or with uh, with your friends, of, it doesn't have to be the same sex. Mm. It's it's brilliant. And it gets it out there and, you, you know, you can everyone can have a banter. and Yeah, not every week, Tiff, not every week. Because you know you like to, to see traditional tournaments, men and women played, and and just have a pure event, which I think is very very important in the world of golf. But every once in a while, particularly this time of year, you know everything slows down. We're watching a little bit more TV over here, perhaps, and certainly in America and the Northern Hemisphere, they are. And just to see the men and the women playing together, fantastic. And you mentioned family. Mm. This week is a huge week because we've got 
Tiger Woods and son Charlie Woods playing in the PNC Championship. Get ready to be happy. The ratings went through the roof last year, seeing oh. young Charlie play. See and him my hit, God, hit that what eagle. a swing. Oh, he hit an eagle, his first eagle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At 11-year-old. Yeah, yeah, that's right. No, and that, that's the sort of thing that happens in these events, which which is great. Uh, and just some of the other pairings too. Justin Thomas and Dad Mike won it last year. I saw Nelly Corder is yes. playing with Peter Corder yep. this year, which is fantastic. You know, Gary Player and Lee Trevino are playing with grandsons and sons and John Daly and little John Daly. Uh, they'll be probably number yep. two to, to Tiger and Charlie. So uh, fantastic concepts. Lots of people watch, yep. and I think it is just fantastic for golf. And I would love to see, like we are talking about before, um, father-sons is one thing, but if we get a few father-daughters or, or mother-sons or mother-daughters even playing in these events, then that just is the right thing to do for well, golf right yeah, around in, the world. In tw- 2019, uh, Annika Sorensen played alongside her dad. How, how much yeah. fun would that have been? And he was probably potentially, I don't know, but instrumental in uh, in in her taking up the game. So to be able to share that stage with him would have been just yeah. an awesome experience. Yeah, I don't, I don't know how they can do it back here in Australia, you know, the father-son stuff. There's probably a few, you know, I know Andre Stoltz and his son would be probably the favourites going in because they're both wonderful, wonderful players. But it's funny, the world of golf, not it doesn't often happen to where um, uh, you, you don't get the father-sons, you know, like we see in the NRL and we see in the AFL and, and, and sometimes we see in soccer, yeah, you know, whether uh, the mum or the dad it produces someone very, very special. Uh, it just doesn't seem to happen as much in the world of golf. So when you actually see the, the sons and the daughters playing, it is fascinating just to have a look. Yeah. And, uh, and someone who's coming up on the show very shortly is uh, – Plays a bit of golf, and but he's played cricket in the past time, and his his two children are obviously superb at that at that game, and we'll be speaking with the CEO of Golf Australia very shortly. And here he is right now, James. Great to have you join us on the Australian Golf Show, and huge news for the sport of golf with uh, the announcement of a sixty million dollar Play Golf Fund, which is set to modernise facilities and bring new ca- newcomers to the sport. Can you tell us a little bit more about it? Yeah, exactly right, Tiff. Thanks for having me. I, I'm um, absolutely thrilled with uh, this announcement and uh, it could be anything really. Um, just to have someone that's interested in investing this amount of money, $60 million in uh, golf facilities and um, just to be clear, that could be a greenfield site, uh, a new development that uh, in, in a particular local government council area or it could be an upgrade of a, an existing facility. Whatever it is, uh, the Molfa Group, who are our partners in this venture, are interested in exploring all options. And uh, so what we're doing is, is we're effectively going out with a, an expression of interest invitation uh, to anyone out there, particularly in local government areas, but it could also be a, a private um, a private property owner who may think that um, there's an opportunity in a, in a golf development on, on their property. And, and what it really plays to at a high level in, in terms of strategy is um, this, this acceptance um, that we're coming to and, and it plays a critical role in our new strategy, um, that all golf is golf. It, uh, golf is not limited to 18 holes of green grass golf. It is um, if you have a stick and a rock, and you happen to hit that, that is golf. <laughs> and all the versions in between. Yep. Um, but what we are saying to the Australian public out there is everyone can be a golfer. Uh, the doors of uh, golf courses, golf facilities are open to you. 
and uh, we want you to, to join our great sport and, and have a good time. And so what we see is facilities are a critical part of that and we know mm. that there's a boom in participation in mm. golf rounds, but so too is there a boom in involvement in golf in other forms. So at driving ranges, um, they're full. Um, so mini golf and all of those different experiences and Molfa is recognising that opportunity and um, they are with the rising tide wanting to capitalise on that interest and um, they're going to be a great partner for golf. James, I'm, I'm just so happy to hear this and hopefully it get, does get taken up because it's so important. I, I know, you know in the past we've tried to drive people to golf, but if the facilities are lacklustre, um, then you'll end up driving people away from golf. Do you, do you see this as maybe a, an opportunity to really get some of the older public facilities around and, and just shine them up a little bit so that people feel welcome when they get down there. You know, maybe if you're just playing a little nine and wine sort of golf, um, you know, even if the back room where you sit down and have your lunch is just, you know, tidied up a little bit. Do you, do you think there are all kinds of options for this to happen? Oh, look, absolutely, Mark. Um, I think we've all had that experience of, you know, going down to a driving range and, you know, you've, you're hitting crappy balls or you're hitting off a, a mat that's that's worn out or even you know visually what what you're hitting the balls into and um, I think you know, the, the thing that's happening today is that uh, technology is playing its part and I know here at Sandringham um, Golf Links uh, where we're based at the Australian Golf Centre um, in all of the bays down here they've just put in technology so you get feedback on every shot mm. you can download um, all of that information onto your phone and take it away and analyse it till your heart's content. Um, this sort of thing, together with the, the quality facilities and, and um, quality balls and all of that, is an experience that takes it to a different level. That, that's what we're looking for. And, and I think um, for, for lots of reasons, people haven't necessarily been able to invest um, into the facilities to keep them at the level. But it's this customer experience and an expectation that I think that we can, we can all drive that um, improved customer experience, which includes quality of product, and that will make a really big difference. I think also, James, as you said, there's been such an uptake in golf of new people and, and different forms of golf. Um, but there's also been a bit of conjecture around about public facilities and public golf courses and, um, you know, and, and local governments, people going out and experiencing it and saying, hey, you know, um, how come I'm I sort of this is only for, for a few. So this funding, how will it help to inject uh, other opportunities um, into those public facilities to make them sustainable community hubs? Well, I think as a, as a start, Tiff, it's going to, it, it's, it's a, it sends a message to the community and local governments that there are people that are prepared to invest in golf. Um, part of our strategy that we're going to launch tomorrow, there's a, the first pillar of that strategy is telling our story better. And we have a, um, I, I have a personal belief that golf has a great story to tell, but we don't, one, tell it well enough, but two, we don't tell it in a unified way. Um, and what I mean by that is, is telling the message about what we're all about, which is more Australians playing more golf, but also those messages about our gates are open, um, that golf is a sport for everyone, and not only that, it's a fun sport for all. Um, one one little um, just anecdote for you here at the um, here at Sandringham on the driving range when they first opened. Um, when you walked in the gate and you you go down the pathway to the driving range, there was a sign up that said no bags, um, amongst other things that you couldn't do. 
And um, someone made the comment that, that might not be the best welcome for someone to arrive. Now, when you arrive and you go down the pathway to that driving range, it has the logo of Sandringham Golf Course and it says, go play, have fun. That's what we're all about. And it's just a fantastic message. You've got a good feeling as you walk down the hill there and say, yep, I don't want to be anywhere else. Yeah, James, it's funny. I went down and had a look, and this was before you put in all the technology, and I saw that sign, the no bags. It's just so good that you've seen that and it's gone now. Uh, what else? I, I know you. You know what you're doing is coming out next week, and I think we're going to have uh, one more show next week and, and really discuss about you know what what we're looking forward to and the new strategy for golf moving forward. This seems to be a big one to me. You know, fifty percent of people love golf because they love having fun. There's another whole group of people who won't play golf because they think it's too stuffy. How big a role is having fun going to be in the new strategy moving forward? Well, it, it, it's really important, Mark, and uh, it was one of the things that came through in the in the nature research, um, nature being a, an organisation that uh, led the research piece we did at the front end of our strategy review. And well, you know, one of the questions asked about 7,000 people or something were involved in the survey and um, question, why do you play golf? And um, people said for fun and enjoyment, it's like, well, hello, yeah. you know, what it, it, it was actually a bit of a dawning thing for me just to, to, to think about are we doing enough to, to capitalise on the reason why people are there? And, and I know golf can be frustrating, but there is a perception on the other side that uh, golf is not a sport for everyone. Golf is not fun um, and it could work, walk spoiled, as some people might say. But at the same time, I think as an industry and as a collective, as we launch this strategy and we think about all of the alternative formats of golf, there is just so much opportunity to tell a different story and to open the gates and not tell people what they can't do, but tell them what they can do. Mm. And um, and I think that message here at Sandy is go play, have fun, like sums it up to me. Uh, just, just last one for me on on the fun stuff. Um, I reckon public courses. You know, I live across the road from one, uh, and I see people out there. They're just wearing shorts. You know, the, the shirts out. It doesn't matter, and it looks like they're all having fun. I've been members of golf clubs my whole life as well, and I, I I do think that they are starting to loosen up. Just with the younger people coming through and getting on committee, you can see changes now that you know just make you feel more welcome. Yeah, it doesn't feel like a boarding school when you go down to your local golf club these days more and more people are having fun is there anything in the strategy that i don't know pushes clubs to you know just to, to loosen things up a little bit and, and to be more welcoming not just to you know golfers are coming in but in particular just some of the ladies coming in some of the girls coming in because i think there's been some trouble there in the past yeah i think there's um th- there's an element of our strategy um that is about supporting our core and our core is our golf clubs and facilities and um, more loosely, I would talk, call that a place to play. Uh, that's, that's a real focus for us is supporting our clubs and facilities to be relevant. You know, I, I like to use the word relevant. Uh, golf, if, if golf club membership, which it has, has declined for 20 years pre-COVID, at a rate of 1% per annum at a time where the Australian population has been increasing at a rate of 2% per annum, we've basically lost something like 30 or 40% of our relevance 
in, Australia, in the Australian community over that time. We, we are fighting for relevance as a sport. Mm. And the way you are relevant in today's society is you need to have an offering for everyone. You need to be welcoming. You need to be inclusive. And you need to think about whether uh, in people's leisure time they want to be associated with your sport. Mm. They want to engage with your sport. And there's lots, lots of rusted on golfers like me that love the game and, and wouldn't want to be anywhere else in my leisure time. But we've got to think about those on the fringes that have a perception around our sport. So um, specifically in answer to your question around clubs, um, I think you're right, Mark, that people um, in club land are starting to think about how they can be more inclusive, what their offering is. Um, we haven't quite got to the stage in many clubs where you can wear socks that are a colour rather than white. Um, but that's one of my KPIs to get the course <laughs> for the next few years. Um, hey, I wore black socks uh, on Thursday and Friday at the Vic PGA Championship. And you're looking well, good doing it too. Well, you've, you've done well. I hope you weren't frowned upon for that, Tiff. But... Oh, I deliberately did it just to uh, see if we can start rolling it out. <laughs> um, well, I think it, it's, uh, I mean, I say that partly in jest, but it, it's just an example of, I mean, we, we obviously want to, be respectful in what we wear, but at the same time, we do just need to loosen up a little bit and um, for, for people to be comfortable about uh, where they are and what they're doing because it is their leisure time. And uh, as we said at the outset of this little bit of the conversation, um, we're there to have fun mm. and enjoy it. Absolutely. Well, James, all the best with this week's launch and, of course, it's rollout. Golf is a sport for life and it is for everyone and we really appreciate your time taken to join us on the Australian Golf Show. Thanks, guys. All right, and stay with us because our cherry-picked interview is with one of Australia's great athletes. Find out who she is right after this. In the Australian Golf Show with Mark Allen and Tiffany Cherry as we welcome Australian cricket star. She's a wicketkeeper and one of the best batters in the world and a very handy golfer. Welcome, Elisa Healy. Thanks for having me, guys. Now, we'll start just a little bit with cricket. How's this on the back of the series against India and the WBBL? You've got obviously uh, an Ashes and a, and a T20 World Cup title defence, and then you've got the Commonwealth Games. How's the body holding up? <laughs> yeah, uh, the 31-year-old ageing body that's been playing <laughs> for over 10 years is starting to uh, to feel it. But, uh, yeah, it's it's obviously a really exciting 12 months of cricket, really exciting 18 months of cricket. Um, and, yeah, I, I'm really looking forward to it. I mean, the Indian series is, um, was amazing. WBBL was even better, and I can't wait for what's going to be a huge Ashes, ashes series on the back of uh, the men's Ashes, which are going great guns at the minute. So it's um, mm. it's really exciting as a, as a female athlete in this country at the minute that um, there's lots of opportunities. Mm. Well, one more question on the cricket before we get to the mm. golf, uh, because I'm fascinated with the way your mind works uh, when you're playing in a cricket team like the Australian cricket team. Hard to beat. You've got a record for, you know, how many consecutive matches in a row. It's, I think we've all lost count. Tell us about what it's like. You know, I imagine it's a bit like the All Blacks. They never want to lose to the Wallabies. You know, you don't want to be that team. What, what is it like just being in your shoes where you're expected to win every time you go out there? Yeah, it's a it's a tricky balance, I think, to take that uh, expectation out of it. I, I think people do expect us to win a lot, but probably what you don't see behind the scenes is that the hard work that people put in to ensure that we don't lose. Um, I think that's something that's lost in in that conversation. We don't want to be the team that that lets that slip. I know we lost uh, that last ODI game against India, which ruined the streak. I think it got to twenty four ODI wins in a row. So. 
it was a remarkable effort over a, a quite a long um, couple of year span. So, yeah, it's just a it's a wonderful environment to be in at the minute. I mean, we've got some absolute legends of the game that their names will go down in history as some of the greatest that have played the game. And um, to be a part of a group that's really emerging in world cricket as well um, with the young players we've got it is really exciting. So you don't want to leave it to the next person to get the job done. And I think that's the beauty of um, why we're so successful. You're a very handy golfer and we see mo- many cricketers are such and uh, and your husband Mitchell as well, one of those. And, and I think also you're a, a state-level hockey player. What do you play off in golf? And then how much does golf come into what you've just spoken about in terms of that downtime and allowing you to just an opportunity, you know, to let your mind go? Yeah, uh, my GA is sitting at three at the minute, so it's, um, it's a tough ask. It's a tough ask when you come back after, you know, a four-month-long tour to come back into your first comp at, at Long Reef playing off four. Um, it's not too much fun, but, um, yeah, I, I really love my golf, honestly. It's, um, it's like you said, Tiff, a, a great breakaway for me from the game of cricket. It still allows me to get outside, be active, walk around in the sunshine, um, and it's almost active recovery for me on, on days off and to still be competitive as I am uh, and I love to be, whether that be with Mitch or um, some of the coaching stuff that we play with when we're on tour. So, yeah, it's just a really great sport that I seem to have found. Uh, I never wanted to play it in my younger days. It was only sort of um, when I started touring a bit more and realised its value that I really got into it. So sort of late to the game, but at the same time, I'm, I'm really enjoying it and I, I love the challenge of never being able to master it, I think. Um, that's, yeah, it's a, such a unique sport in that regard. Oh, absolutely. I, I find that every time I step out on the course, you and Mitch, two of the, two of the best uh, cricketers in the world. And uh, you've got obviously all those accolades, but there's one that you love that I've read about called the Steely Cup, which is something that takes pride of p- place at your home. Just tell us about what that is. Yeah, quite literally, we've got this amazing trophy cabinet full of uh, amazing cricketing accolades that we've managed to, um, you know, I guess, grab over the years and what sits right smack bang in the middle <laughs> prior to place is the Steely Cup. So that's um, our little uh, family trophy that Mitch and I play for. We we were down at Long Reef um, after a social round of a, um, of a Sunday afternoon and we're having a beer and we thought, you know what, why don't we play for something? I mean, we're both competitive beasts and we want to go out there and win at everything we do. So we came up with a very intricate point system um, and it's, yeah, it's a year-long trophy that um, spans over a 12-month period and it gets presented on New Year's Eve or if you lose like me it gets presented in April because I'm still salty for the first three months of the year that I lost so um, it's good fun it, it makes it really interesting and we're obviously really lucky we get to travel the world and, and play cricket but when we're together we like to to play golf and wherever that might be around the world. Alyssa you wouldn't believe this it wouldn't happen in a million years I was at work today and we had the television on and it's on Fox Sports, uh, and you wouldn't believe it, an Alyssa Healy highlights package came up on the TV. <laughs> you, you couldn't believe it in a million years. I knew I was talking to you today. And they showed you, you know, all the stumpings. I loved it. Fantastic. But I couldn't help noticing when you hit a six, you had a very golf-like follow-through. Like <laughs> to the point where I was going, wow, there's a bit of Arnold Palmer here. I mean, when you're actually hitting a golf ball, does it feel anything like when you're hitting a cricket ball? Funnily enough, um, golf's not good for my cricket and cricket's not good for my golf. Mm. So it's about finding a balance uh, in that regard. I mean, when I'm hitting some really high fades off the tee, it's not so bad because I know that I'm smacking the ball over cover um, when I'm out on the cricket field. So, 
it doesn't feel anything like holding a cricket bat. Um, it's actually probably done my batting technique a little bit of a disservice over the last few years, but it takes a little while to click back into cricket gear. But I played a lot of hockey that, like you mentioned, Tiff, before, and I feel like it's a bit more, um, a bit similar, more similar to hockey than it is to cricket. So I'm actually looking forward to retiring from cricket so that I can fix my golf swing and bring a little baby drawer into my game because I hit fades all day. And um, oh, beautiful. Which is that's safe, why you, that's why you play off four. The fade is the safe way to play. I promise it's you. Safe. Don't worry about the draws. Keep I'd love to fades. be able to hit a draw on on cue though, especially the 18th at Terry Hills. I want to hit a draw around the trees there. So, um, <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll bring that in once I finish playing cricket. Once cricket's out of the way. You got the chance to play in the Vic Open the last few years. I saw um, I saw a little video clip of you playing with uh, Kari Webb, and I think it was Stacey Keating. I think it was and Mitch. I wasn't carrying a bag that time. What's what was that opportunity like? Did did you pick up any tips from from the two golfers? Yeah, um, well, I'll tell you what. Mitch had an absolute blast of a day after carrying my bag at the the Oz Open Pro Am. I think the year before um, when I got to play with Kari then. Um, Mitch was carrying my bag and he was fuming that he didn't get the opportunity to play because I think he was injured at the time. But to go down to the Vic Open, he absolutely loved having Darren Peters there, which is Kari's um, uh, caddy when she's out in Australia. And he was just literally telling Mitch where to aim and where to hit it. And Mitch was just bombing him down there like 50 metres past Kari all day. So he was walking out with his chest puffed out and thought he was the best golfer out there. But, um, yeah, it's such an amazing, um, I guess, opportunity to – to interact with some of the, the best athletes around the world in golfers. And I love the opportunity that we can be a part of these pro-am events that um, I've been fortunate to, to get a real great friendship with Kari out of it. Um, we speak quite regularly and we just caught up when I was up in Mackay playing in the Aussie series up there. She came down and watched the game. We had a round of golf and uh, had a couple of beers of an evening. So it was, um, it's so amazing that I can get the opportunity to, to walk alongside one of the giants of the game and also one of the people that I looked up to when I was growing up. I mean, the only names we ever heard were Kari Webb and Lane Beachley, and I didn't really know either of them. So um, I guess for me now to be living in this generation is pretty cool, but Mm. I guess to be walking alongside Kari is even more special. Hey, Alyssa, I'm just so curious now that you're playing golf with Kari just a little bit and, you know, the fact that your handicaps, you you said you were playing off three or four, What what did she say about your game? I mean, she, she must have been so envious. Now, he, she and I, we, we we spent our entire lives trying to get rid of the bad shots, and yeah. that's how you become a very very good player because you get rid of the bad shots. So there must be a, you must be hitting a lot of fairways. But did did she share any advice for you to get a little bit better? I'm so curious to know what that might be. Now she gives me zero <laughs> advice. I, I love it. Um, it's so funny. I feel like she was. She will if you ask, but I'm still a little bit nervous. I'm like, you know, I'll just let her do her thing. I can't believe in her time off she wants to go and have a game of golf. I mean, if somebody asked me to have a game of cricket on my day off, I'd be like, it's stuff. Like, don't do it stuff. So, um, I never want to hassle, but she's given me a few bunker lessons over my time and still gives me a bit of stick when I can't get it out or I've hit a bad shot out of the bunker. So that's always good. But I just can't believe how gracious she is with her time. And um, I guess what she's she does for the juniors in the sport too and obviously the young Aussie players coming through, I reckon that's, Mm. That's been probably the biggest lesson that she's taught me is A, her, how gracious she is with her time and B, just how inspiring she is to that next generation and how much they look up to her, which is which is really great. And she gives them so much of her time and and I guess funding as well. So um, I love that, that, um, you know, she's so generous and it kind of, it really opened my eyes to, you know, how I could be a better role model in, in our sport. 
Yeah, she's brilliant. We absolutely love her. What about the other um, cricketers, the other girls in the team? I, I believe Meg Lanning uh, puts a golf club in her hand and can hit it all right. And uh, there's a, a few others as well. Yeah, there's a few that are floating around now playing golf, which is uh, awesome for me because on tour it's only me and the coaching staff, which are a bunch of blokes that are too competitive um, and have <laughs> are way too serious on the golf course. So um, for me, it was great over this summer in particular, we got the opportunity to stay at Royal Pines when we were playing on the Gold Coast and the girls were going out every morning and playing nine holes, um, sharing their time together. That's- and I'd never seen that many of our group go out and willingly want to play golf. So wow. I, I absolutely, I thrived off that. I, I love joining in with them. They all have so much fun out there. It doesn't matter if they're shanking them around, they're still enjoying themselves and celebrate one another's awesome shots or awesome, like when they sink a putt. So I loved that. And um, it gave me a, yeah, a big smile on my face that there's more girls that are, are sort of thinking about not just taking up the game, like to take it serious, just socially. And I love that that young women in particular want to take up the game like that because it's such a great sport. Alyssa, last one. We, we, I know we're running out of time. Last one for me anyway. Um, mm. I can't let you go because we've waited so long for the Ashes to come here. We didn't know who Cummins was going to throw the ball to for that first over. <laughs> He throws it to your boyfriend, and there was a bit of controversy. Uh, your husband, a uh, little, little, little bit of controversy about whether he was going to be in the team. And I just thought Cummins throwing him the ball was just so good. I mean, it just solidified the whole process. I was off my couch and jumping around the living room like a twelve-year-old kid. Uh, please tell me you were watching that ball. What were you doing? Um, I was on the fourteenth green at Terry Hills. Oh! Um, <laughs> lining up lining up for a birdie putt and I had my phone out um and so I was watching I was on on KO watching it and uh one of our playing partners was trying to play some ridiculous flop shop out of the trees because he binned it over the green and I yelled out an expletive and said yes um and uh two of the two of my cricketing mates uh one of the coaches and one of the other girls was playing alongside me and they go what happened and so we stood there for 10 minutes watching the Wow. watching the ball and there was a group behind us waiting to hit it on the green. We said, we don't care. We're watching the cricket. And then lo and behold, we all sunk our putts. We were full of adrenaline. So, um, Fantastic. It was, yeah, it was awesome. It was really cool. And just finally, uh, the experience is summed up. I, I know you've spoken about it and a number of the girls have, but that World Cup uh, title at the MCG, two days before sort of the pandemic and what was now, you know, what we know of the last 20 months hit us, but um, just that experience with the girls and the support that you got for um, as, as cricketers in, in the realm of, of sport and world sport, not just as female sports people. I mean, how long have you got? I can speak for three hours on this if you like. I mean, I'll talk about it for the rest of my life. Yeah, but, um, yeah what, what an unbelievable day of sport. I mean, you summed it up then. It, it wasn't just for women's sport. It was for our country. It was for... Um, just sport in general and to see the the whole of Australia right behind us um, was an unbelievable experience and I still talk about it that we just loved every single moment of it and we embraced the whole week it wasn't just that day it was a week I mean the people you'd bump into on the street leading into that game the people you bump into now who want to talk about it who were there um, yeah an incredible experience and I'm just so sad that COVID hit straight after that because it really sucked the momentum out of what we'd sort of been able to create. But I've got no doubt that over the next two years, something pretty special will happen again, whether it's the Matildas that does it. Um, you know, they seem to be on a, on a warpath at the minute to, um, to outdo that. So it, it's amazing. And I guess that little bit of rivalry that we've all got within um, each and every sport is driving one another. And I think that's really exciting for, for 
female athletes in this country to, to I guess, feel valued and, um, yeah, to know that what they're doing is working and we're sort of just growing it for the next generation. I've got no doubt that yep. the girls coming through are going to experience something like that on the regular and I can't wait. Yeah, cannot wait. Absolutely share every sentiment with you. Well, thanks so much for taking time out of your busy schedule. All the very best with obviously what lies ahead uh, in cricket, but with what lies ahead with your golf. Let's see, hopefully you get down to scratch and uh, and keep that Steely Cup away from Mitch in the household. Yeah, that's more important. I want to get my hands on the cup again. (laughs) (laughs) Have a wonderful summer. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. If you've got some suggestions as to who you'd like to hear from as a guest, email us at media at golf.org.au or follow us on Twitter. Our handle is at Aust, A-U-S-T, Golf Show, and leave us a message. Next up, Golf Australia Media Manager Martin Blake with all the news from around Australia and abroad. Welcome back to the Australian Golf Show. It's time to welcome the gazelle. Martin Blake joins us. What have you got for us? What's the news around the traps? If I heard you before talking to James Sutherland, that, that's a big one, that Molfa deal. It's a really interesting one. But in terms of players this week, it's on the LPGAQ series because we had a great result. Australia got three players through that eight-round marathon uh, in, in Alabama. Those players are Steph Kiriakou from mm-hmm. St. Michael's in Sydney, just 21 years of age, onto the biggest tour in the world for women. Uh, Karis Davidson, 23-year-old from the Gold Coast. Uh, she's been around for a while, been playing in Japan, a uh, terrific person, came through our our programs. And Sarah Jane Smith, who's 37 now, Sarah Jane's been on the tour for a number of years, went and had a baby, so she didn't play for a little while and ultimately lost her playing rights, but she's got them back. Oh, that's uh, a amazing. great advertisement. So, what a story. Yeah, so eight fantastic. rounds, uh, Marco and Tiff. Um, Steph Kiriako finished tied 16th. They, they'd all needed to be inside the top 45 through those eight rounds over two weeks. So she finished 16th. Worst score in the eight rounds, 74. That's pretty handy. Wow. She was 11 mm-hmm. under overall. The other two were interesting. They made the cut. They made... Uh, their tour cards on the number. So they were, they were tied 41st, wow. both Karis and Sarah Jane Smith. I read a quote from Karis Davidson. She said, uh, my apologies, I read a quote from Steph who said that she had to hit it over water on the last hole and she knew she was inside and she was pretty good, but uh, she took plenty of club, I tell you. Make sure that thing gets, <laughs> make sure that thing gets over the water. Absolutely. Hey, I reckon that they're going to have eight Australians on the LPGA Tour next year. That's so, so good. So we've got Minji Lee, who's in the top 10 in the world. Hannah Green, who's in the top 20 in the world. Sue Oh, who's coming uh, very strongly. Catherine Kirk, who's been around for years, of course, and Sarah Kemp, plus those three players. So uh, that was fantastic. Um, I love um, the way Steph Kiriakou goes about. She can score really low. She can make a lot of birdies. She's played 21 tournaments in 13 countries this year, and then she had to play an eight-rounder to get through. So she's too good to play in Europe. Um, She's just too good. So she's exactly where she needs to be. Now, uh, the uh, Port Phillip Amateur has been on. In Melbourne, uh, and it was dominated by New South Wales. Kelsey Bennett, whose name we've mentioned before, she won the women's, and Chris Fan, who's from Avondale, won the men's, and they're rolling along into the Victorian amateur. That The Port Phillip amateur is, you would have played in that, Marco. It's the qualifying series mm. for the Victorian yep. amateur, uh, which will be played and won by the time p- many people listen to this, so I won't go into that, but certainly those two New South Wales players uh, were the leading qualifiers there. Uh, The Vic Open announcement has finally been made. It's been sitting there for a while. 13 to 16 
February at 13th Beach. So it's confirmed the prize money drops down to 820,000 from 3 million. The last time it was played, that's a big drop, but that is what we've had. That's what Golf Australia has had to do to make it happen. At least it's happening. Has it, has it kept its European tour status? Or no, I no, it has, no, it has not because it, money drop. no, Marco, that you have to be up around the 1.6 million, I think, uh, in prize money for each event to, to have European status. And when the decision were being made, we weren't, they weren't even sure whether they could play the event. Uh, I had one last thing for you, Tiff yeah. and Marco. It's a quiz. How many players do you think on the US tour last season uh, made a million dollars? Now, I can tell you that Cam Smith made 5.8 million, by the way. Cam Smith of Australia made 5.8 million. That put him at number nine on the money list. 5.8. But how many many do you reckon made a million? I'm just saying 5.8, and I'm thinking that doesn't count the bonuses of the FedEx Cup. So he probably ended up making six and a half. um, I'm going to have a guess. Prize money and and bonuses. I'm going to say 70. Well, I was going to say 70, so I'll say 75. More. 90. More. Not not 100. 124 players made a million dollars US. You had to make a million bucks to keep your card, basically. That is unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, They're saying now that if you have a couple of, you know, third or fourth, a couple of third or fourths, then you're going to make a a million. So uh, it's it's great money if you can get it. Good work if you can get it, that is. It just just shows you in, in the world of professional golf, you don't have to play every, you don't have to play well every week. You have to play incredibly well three or four times a year. And you'll keep your card and you'll mm. drift along and you'll probably end up making two million bucks a year. Exactly. Uh, Cassie, like living. Cassie Porter, a young amateur from uh, Queensland, is turning pro. Uh, we spoke to her on the forerunner of this show earlier this year. Um, Cassie's an excellent player. She had uh, uh, some very bad back injuries that kept her from playing for about a year and now she's just winning everything. So she's turning pro. I imagine there's a good chance she'll turn up at the WPGA Championship. Uh, at Royal Queensland just after Christmas, and if not there, then at some of the TPS series events that yeah. uh, the PGA Tour are running here in Australasia. It was great, Tiff, to be out at some golf during the week. I was down at the Vic PGA as well, and the Gippsland Super 6 is on this week before we have a break for Christmas. Yeah, it was. I saw your sunny, smiling face out there, and everyone, all the amateurs, you know, there were some celebrities there as well. They all loved the opportunity, Marco and I were talking about it earlier in the show, to play with the pros and, you know, the TPS uh, provides those opportunities as well. Wondering uh, if either of you noticed a, a little quirk that Blake Windred has when he putts. Uh, he yes. stands over the ball. Nadal-esque. Marco, and he pulls the shirt out from under his left armpit. Hmm. Every single time he putts, it's it's clearly something to do with yeah. the placement of his arm. I didn't get a chance to ask him. Yeah, yeah that, that that's actually a, a very good technique to stay connected when you putt because it forces your arms. This is a very early uh, masterclass here. It forces your arms to stay <laughs> close to your, it, it to stay close <laughs> to your chest. So if you ever, if, it's, it's a good one to try at home actually because you you pull it out and then you tuck it in with your yeah. arm. And it actually makes you stay connected because if you're not connected, you'll lose that stretch from the shirt. It's a very good way of doing things. That, that's exactly what, what Marco, he, I think you've nailed it there. That's exactly what he looked like he was doing. So, Well, maybe that is a bit of a sneak preview of uh, the Marco's Masterclass. Well, it's a good sneaky one. No, I'll, I'll, I'll <laughs> good segue. I've got, one, I've got one more. I've got uh, one more. All right. Well, uh, thanks, Martin. That was great stuff. We'll check, check in with you again next week.
Talk to you then, guys. All right, and uh, Marco's Masterclass right after this. And to finish off the show, we've got Marco's Masterclass. So I'm looking forward to this one, Marco. Yeah, well, it's nice and simple, and this is on the back of Tiger and Charlie Woods playing mm-hmm. this week, and they're going to break all kinds of records. Is that, it, Tiff, it's actually going to be fascinating to watch Charlie Woods improve year upon year. <laughs> you know, uh, I, I know we spoke earlier about, you know, that he averages 83 and he's not in the top 100 in the Florida 12 and unders. Yeah, yeah, and I think that was a little bit cruel, probably Who to cares? point that out over there. It, it, it just doesn't matter. Hmm. Um, but it's it will be fun. On the other side, it will be fascinating to have this documented. Yeah, have you ever seen you know, that series Seven Up? Yes. Where they every seven years they yep. used to go back and used to watch these people develop. And you know, they're about eighty-four these days. But I think the next one they're going to be ninety-one <laughs> if how many's left. But you know, just to see his improvement. I mean, one day if he does go on to be a superstar player. Um, you know, you'll have it all documented how his swing looked when he was well, 12, like 13, dad. 14. That at three. A little bit like his dad. Anyway, on, on the back of, of Charlie Woods, the most important thing you've got to do when you've got a youngster who wants to get into golf is to make it fun. There are so many times when I'm down just hitting a few balls uh, at my local club and I'll see mum or I'll see dad and they are forcing a kid to do something, you know, left arm straight or keep your head down and, you know, they're, they're almost tears. I promise you, that kid's going to not want to come back. It's got to be fun, yeah. mums and dads and grandparents. It's got to be fun. And they're not going to be perfect straight away. It takes a long time to become a reasonable sort of player where you can hit the ball with the middle of the club face most of the time. Mm. So at those very first training wheel stages, you can't expect a kid to, one, listen for longer than six minutes, and two, look like Tiger Woods after seven. You've just got to go down there with the thought of it being fun. It's got to be fun, and you don't stay there for an hour. No. You stay there until it's all done. And you encourage them. You encourage them. You encourage them. You take them into the clubhouse, and you give them a, a raspberry lemonade and a packet of chips, <laughs> and you make the day fun. So don't get carried away with what you've seen on the TV with Tiger Woods' son, Charlie, because it just doesn't always work out that way. Thanks, Marco. Great Good to chat, and we'll see you again next week. One more next week. <laughs> 